Hello, and welcome to the Red Box Report, the weekly movie podcast where we review the latest Blu-rays and DVD releases for Redbox. I'm your host, Bob Phelan. I'm your co-host, Joel Phelan. And on this episode, we'll be taking a look at Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, as well as our top five spin-offs slash prequels. To coincide with that, we'll talk about what else we've been watching and a few trailers to prejudge. But before we get into that, it's been a while. And quite a while. <laughs> yeah, last time we recorded was uh, the same night we released the La La Land review, which also had the summer box office draft, and then we recorded The Handmaiden the same night and released that the next week. So yeah, it's been like four weeks since we report- recorded the podcast, and and it's going to might probably be even longer since until uh, the next time me and you record a podcast together. Yeah. I got Crazy. a little bit of an uh, announcement. Uh, Joel is moving down Ocean City, Maryland for work, and it's going to probably take some time for you to get adjusted and, and set up down there, right? Yeah, especially, like, the first weekend I go down there is Memorial Day weekend. That's real busy, so it'll probably take me at least a few weeks to get a normal schedule and... You know, get used to things. Yeah, figure Not out. Not only that, but just, like, applying my time to, like, watching movies down there. Oh, yeah. Learn. Yep. So, hopefully, he'll be back reviewing movies as soon as possible. But in the meantime, I can't stop podcasting no matter what. So, I'll be bringing in some... I still don't know who, what, or when, or how, but I'll be putting out episodes with... Uh, some people, hope I'll try my best to still stay on that weekly schedule, so stay tuned for all that. And then uh, we'll get Joel back at some point down the line, of course. Yeah, for sure. Maybe uh, Casey Brady, the old co-host, might be down to, if not come back, maybe just do one or two here or there. Maybe the Red Belt Report co-host, Brooks Fallon, maybe he could help me out. So True. we never know. You never know what's going to happen around here. But, uh, yeah, so you're leaving, and I'm just coming back from a vacation, which was a complete nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> because three days of pretty good, pretty uh, peaceful, relaxing vacation, and then norovirus hits. We're on a cruise ship. Four days of just puking and uh, all kinds of wonderful things. So, yeah, I was glad to actually get back on land. We had to take my son to the emergency room when we got back. Um, but he's doing okay. But, man, <laughs> I missed uh, I missed podcasting while <laughs> I was away. It's much less stressful. I, <laughs> I've never thrown up while recording a podcast, so... Hopefully I can keep that streak going. Oh, yeah. Yeah, you know, the next Cal Ripken and I'll throw it up during podcasts. <laughs> yeah, just to keep the streak alive. Well, yeah, so speaking of Fantastic Beasts and where to find them, I looked. They're not on the Norwegian Escape, so we'll have to keep on hunting because that's a terrible segue to talk <laughs> about the movie. Uh, the Harry Potter spinoff, they got a 73% on Rotten Tomatoes. The synopsis is The Adventures of Writer Newt Scamander in New York's secret community of witches and wizards 70 years before Harry Potter reads his book in school. 
This was directed by David Yates, I believe. And now I can't find it, of course. Yes, it is David Yates. It's starring Eddie Redmayne as Newt Scamander. We've got Colin Farrell. We have Dan Fogler, Ezra Miller, uh, Watterson, what is her name? Catherine Watterson. And even a special cameo at the very end, which I guess we could get into at some point. Now, before we get into it, are you a fan of the Harry Potter movies? And were you looking forward to this prequel? Joe? What was that? I'm sorry. <laughs> I said, uh, were you a fan of the Harry Potter movies before this? And were you looking forward to this prequel? Oh, I'm sorry. Um, sort of, kind of. I I guess I looked down upon them at first just because. But uh, my cousin, Sean, is a big fan. So he had all the DVDs and... I can't remember how many of them I've seen start to finish, but I've probably seen the first 20 minutes of every single one. Yeah, <laughs> that's that sounds about right. I mean, I'm not even sure if I've seen all of the second one. They kind of blend together. And I was a yeah, huge, for sure. I was a huge fan of the books as a kid growing up. Uh, our Aunt Paula got me into them and her kids, so... I was looking forward to these movies, but something about them, especially the early ones for me, are just, maybe they were too kid-friendly. I don't know. But yeah. it seemed like, and I guess also, you know, they, the books, you can't adapt the, the book to the T. And as one of my few, like, prized readings growing up, that's, you know, you always want them to get every little detail in there, and it's impossible. Yeah. But sure. they're well-made movies, and I feel like the series grew up with the audience and the actors and all that. I think by the end, actually, the last three or four movies were pretty good. I felt like they got a little bit better as it went on. Yeah. I could see that. But uh, as far as the spinoff, I was, I was open-minded about it. I wasn't dreading it. I wasn't saying, oh, why would they do that? I mean, there's a world there that could be used for more storytelling. And and I, I just, I don't know. I wasn't sure about this story in particular. And I guess we'll find out if, uh, if that's a reason to be wary or not. But yeah, I was not looking forward to it, but not dreading it either. Hear that? <laughs> but... After watching it, man, you got to find a better reason to make a prequel or a spinoff, in my opinion. Yeah, I, I agree. It's They were really pushing the whole Harry Potter thing. I mean, the magic and the look is good, don't get me wrong, but yeah. It just it felt like, and I maybe I've said this on the podcast when I talked about it, when I first saw it, I can't remember, but... The most inconsequential, pointless movie. Like, I feel like nothing of impact happened whatsoever, except maybe the very end. Gotcha. I mean, it's just like, okay, yeah, he he comes to America, um, Newt, that is, Eddie Redmayne's Newt, 
and he loses these creatures from his his little magic briefcase and it's like he's got to get them all back or else you know they're gonna find out that magic is real i guess and then there's kind of a subplot with the guy chasing him down played by Callum Farrell and I don't know it just feels like I had never thought for one second that there was any characters in any real danger and I didn't even really see and what they announced this is going to be like another five or six movie series so they ha- I feel like they have to make it more impactful give some uh, some depth to these characters and really create an arc because I, I feel like this movie didn't really do it at all. No, I gotta agree with you. It sort of has the whole, I don't know, not generic but bad guy thing, but... Yeah, and I like Colin Farrell, but, I mean, I don't know if he's miscast here, or it's just not much there to work with. Yeah, that's true. But uh, I guess, slight spoiler, this was... Mentioned in promo material beforehand, but uh, Johnny Depp turns out to be playing uh, the character, uh, what is his name, Grendel or Grindel, something like that. It's like Dumbledore's uh, arch nemesis, and he's actually Colin Farrell the whole time, and they reveal it at the end. So I guess that's where they're going to go with it. But why not start there and just have it be like Dumbledore... Dumbledore uh, origin story. I'm not sure why Newt Scamander is our intro into this this little uh, story here. I wonder if to make the movie they had to sign an agreement that they would make their like own lore, almost. Yeah, well, I mean, J.K. Rowling, she wrote the Harry Potter books and she wrote the script, I think. Or at least I know she was a part of it. Huh. It's not like WB was like... We got this property. We're going behind the author's back. I mean, I feel like they worked pretty directly with her. That's cool. Yeah. But uh, what did you think of Dan Fogler, the American... They don't call them muggles in uh, in America. I forget. Or no mages, I think, is what they call them. And, and he kind of buddies up with um, Newt's commander and has kind of a love interest as well with um, I can't remember the girl's name but the uh, the blonde woman in the film I apologize what did you think of his his role in the movie uh, it was pretty good I guess uh, I don't know I, for me this movie has too many flaws to really accept it as being decent but at the same time, if you're looking for this type of movie, I don't know. I guess I'd recommend it. Yeah, I think maybe younger people will like it. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's more so in my head. What was in my head? <laughs> yeah, because the only things that I really, I, there's nothing really about it that's bad necessarily. It's like a decently well-made movie put together well. It's got a good score. It's got decent performances. It's got cool special effects. I just I never had any investment in these characters. And 
like I said, it just felt inconsequential. The only thing I really liked about it was there were like scenes here and there that were fun, like the rhino scene uh, when he's basically trying to get these animals or these beasts back into the suitcase, which you would think would play a bigger role, but it kind of, I feel like it gets stuck in between wanting to be more and then wanting to be just this fun movie about trying to get these beasts back in his possession. Yeah. But, yeah, I don't really have a lot else to say about it other than that it's one of the most mediocre average movies I've ever seen. Yeah, and I was going to say actually the exact same thing because it's just like this movie should be at least fun. Right. And it's... It's not a bad movie, but it's not really fun either. No, like I said, it had moments where you got that, where the potential was there. But yeah, you're right. It's really not that fun. And I think even the most diehard Harry Potter movie fans, I I just don't see how anyone... I can see how people come away liking the movie or enjoying their time, but I can't see anyone just like loving this movie. I don't know. Yeah, I can't see this being anyone's favorite. Yeah, if if and if you are someone that loved this movie or really 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 liked it and think it's like tremendous, please or tremendous, God, uh, yeah. please send us an email or tweet me and let me know why because I'm curious. Not I wouldn't like uh, say that you're wrong. I'm just curious to hear where that perspective is coming from. Yeah, I'm giving it the most baseline six out of ten there is. Exactly the same spot. That is like perfectly mediocre to average for me. So that's what I'm giving it. But let's talk about some spinoffs and or prequels that did land on the mark. Um, Looking at this uh, list, other lists and just movies that are spinoffs and prequels, I had kind of a hard time with this. There's not too many, or at least not too many that turned out particularly well yeah i feel like it's more of a recent thing yeah for sure and not to mention i don't know a lot of prequels and yeah like you said they kind of suck or you don't even like some i didn't even realize were connected to other movies yeah that happens too for sure and uh uh, i just feel (laughs) if you put star wars on this list I will disagree. What's your number five? (laughs) All right. Um, My number five is Minions. All right. All right. I saw that Mostly just because I think it was such good business sense to make that movie. Yeah, made over a billion dollars. Yeah. Just, I mean, they're super popular characters. Just give the people what they want type thing. Yeah, and I didn't like the movie, but you are right. Kids love those damn minions. They go yeah. crazy for them. That's why I think. That's why I took Despicable Me three in the uh, box office draft a couple weeks ago. And speaking of that, you're off to a pretty good start here. Yeah. Guardians of the Galaxy Volume Two has made seven hundred and thirty-two million dollars worldwide so far on a two hundred million dollar budget. So you're already. Well, with an 81% Rotten Tomato score at that. So you're already well well off into a lead. 
And uh, Edgar's the only other per- <laughs> Edgar's the only other person with a movie on the board with Alien Covenant, which just came out this weekend. It, it did okay. It's got a seventy three percent on Rotten Tomatoes and made I want to say like one hundred and ten million worldwide opening weekend. So I, it'll make its money back. Ninety seven million dollar budget. You That's know? not that bad. Yeah. I was really worried that movie might be the the Terminator Genesis of. I didn't think the movie would be as bad, but I don't know. I just had a feeling about it not being great. Yes, yeah. what I've heard so far. Yeah, and I mean, thirty-six million opening weekend is not anything to write home about per se. But no, it could have been worse. It was definitely not as bad as Terminator Genesis. So uh, yeah, I guess I'll go with my number five spinoff for prequel. I don't know how well this one holds up now, but <laughs> when I was a kid. I loved the Ewoks in Return of the Jedi. And I had the Ewok movie, The Battle of Endor, on VHS when I was growing up. And I watched that movie quite a bit. And I loved it. Wow. (laughs) I loved Ewoks, The Battle of Endor. And that's my number five. I'm scared to rewatch it because I'll probably cry. But (laughs) (laughs) I just remember them fighting like these giant ants and... I just remember it being a pretty badass continuation of their story after being introduced in Star Wars Return of the Jedi, which was my favorite Star Wars movie at the time, which is now no longer my favorite. Interesting. Yeah. What's your number four? My number four is... Let's see... X-Men Origins Wolverine. Mm, Okay. To be honest, I get the Wolverine movies. <laughs> that is the one where Ryan Reynolds was Deadpool, but not the not good Deadpool. A real, yeah, yeah, I got you. So yeah, that movie wasn't that good, but like, like we said, not a lot to choose from here. Yeah, and you probably haven't seen Logan yet, so no. Yeah, exactly. I was going to say I would say Logan, but. I haven't seen it, so... I uh, I just watched it today, actually. Uh, I'm going to save those thoughts for a future review, but probably would have cracked my list if if I was going to count it, which I decided not to, so it's good. Nice. My number four is Star Trek, the 2009 J.J. Abrams-directed version. Um, <laughs> I don't know if, again, if this even qualifies me to be able to put this on my list, because I... Never really saw any of the old Star Treks to compare it against um, before I saw this. I've seen like one or two of the old ones since then, since I saw the the reboot. But the reboot is a lot of fun. They Star Wars it up and Chris Pine is charismatic lead. You got Spock in there. What's not to love? What isn't? (laughs) (laughs) True. Your number three? My number three is... All right. Honestly, I only put this because it was on the list when I was looking. But the thing. Ooh. Okay. Yeah. I saw. The, I saw. Actually, I saw the remake before. I saw the original, and I think it's actually like you said. It's like a spinoff because it's. It's not a remake necessarily. It's either like it takes place after it all happened or something like that. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like a recreation necessarily. Yeah. 
And yeah, it's not terrible. It's not that bad. Yep. So that's put puts in <clears throat> number three. <laughs> well, my number three is Rise of the Planet of the Apes. We're, we're going to get the conclusion to this new trilogy, the spin-off prequel trilogy this summer, which I'm looking forward to. But the first one, I put off seeing it. I put off seeing it because the last Planet of the Apes movie I saw was the Mark Wahlberg, Tim Burton one, which was just atrocious. And uh, I had no faith as James Franco was in the lead and just looked really stupid. But, man... Obviously, now we know it's a great little franchise here. And uh, they really reinvented the wheel and did a, like a slow-paced way of showing how uh, this potentially could have happened. This planet of apes. So, especially Caesar, voiced by the guy that did Gollum and all that. Uh, he's great. And, uh, yeah, that's my number three. Nice. All right, my number... Two is Prometheus. Oh, nice. Good one. This is a movie that gets a lot of crap from time to time. A lot of people hated it or just thought it was very disappointing. I'm kind of I'm kind of with you. I kind of defend that movie, even though I didn't absolutely love it. I didn't think it necessarily lived up to the hype of that amazing first trailer. But I think it's a great little sci-fi movie. I gave it like a 7.5 to 8 out of 10, and... Uh, that's why I'm looking forward to Alien Covenant as much as I am because of Prometheus. Yeah, yeah, I liked it too. Uh, it's maybe it wasn't what people expected, but there's some good ideas there. Yeah, sure. I kind of wish they just would have stuck with it, but like story-wise. Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean. And I feel like they're kind of. Um, Getting caught, hopefully not getting caught in between. I mean, Edgar saw the movie and said it was pretty good, pretty darn good. So, I, I yeah, it just seems like they're trying to blend the two, Prometheus and that alien horror movie style. Which we'll see, we'll see. My number two is, again, very similar to Star Trek. It's Casino Royale, the James Bond reboot kind of prequel set when he's early on in his days. And it's when they brought in blonde-haired James Bond. And it's an awesome, awesome movie. It takes place in a casino, obviously, a poker tournament. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen's a great villain. But I've never seen a non... What's his face? What's the new guy's name? Well, he's uh, not that new anymore. But, uh... Dang it, brain fart. Um... I've never seen any... Daniel Craig. Daniel Craig. Oh, yeah. I've never seen any James Bond movies before Casino Royale, to this date. Huh. I've seen bits and pieces on TV and stuff, but I've never watched an old James Bond movie. Interesting. You're number one. My number one... Drum roll, please. <laughs> It's the best I can do. <laughs> yeah. I was about uh, to break out the actual drumsticks and go to town, but... Wasn't geez. to be. Yeah, I mean, I had it pulled up, but I didn't have it saved in my thing, so I'm looking for it. I can't remember what it was. <laughs> <laughs> Is it the same as mine? Mine's Creed. 
Yes. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Creed. Man, one of my favorite movies of this decade, to be honest with you. It cracks my top 100 at the bottom of it, but I think it's right up there, maybe even better than the original Rocky. Just love the perspective shift and transferring him into the mentor role. It all works. It's stylish. Powerhouse performances really puts you in that headspace. Nice. All right. Well, let's move on to what else we watched. Have you watched anything recently? No, I haven't had time. That's understandable because all I've had is time. <laughs> <laughs> like I said on that cruise ship, man, uh, we had four straight days of just pretty much locked in this small dark cabin, laying in bed. Very uh, cabin fever was abound, but they did have one movie channel where they played just 2016 movies. It's kind of like, seemed like they had a grouping of 10 to 15 movies they were just playing over and over and over in any kind of combination and I sat there and I watched a bunch of movies I'll be quick here um, I watched Race which is the clever title to the movie um, about I think it's Jesse Owens who was the uh, black track and field runner who set records and won all these medals in Berlin, Germany, 1936 or so, right before World War II, took place in Germany with Hitler in there, and and he was like, wouldn't honor or wouldn't even see Owens when uh, he won a medal, the gold medal to, you know, uh, because he was black and he's, Hitler's racist, if you didn't know. And, uh... <laughs> Uh, yeah, it's a, it's pr actually pretty good movie, actually. I don't know why I keep saying actually, but <laughs> uh, better than I expected. I, it seemed like one of these made-for-TV type movies where it would be a little bit on the nose and cheesy, but much more well done than I figured it would be. And Stephen James as Jesse Owens was really good, really great performance there. Um, Carice Van Hooten, who plays Melisandre on Game of Thrones, is in the movie. And that was nice to see her in a different role. Nice to see her at any point, really. Yeah. Uh, Jason Sudeikis, who's usually in comedy, is playing Larry Snyder, who is like uh, Jesse's coach and mentor. And he does kind of play it a little bit more humorous than some others would. But he, he's okay in that role as well. and. Yeah, it's, I give it a 6.5 out of 10. Better than I expected. Also watched Denial, which is the movie starring Rachel Weisz about... Uh, she is... I can't... Uh, this was one where... Look, my kid is throwing up a lot. I saw most of the movie, but <laughs> the little details are, were being lost here and there. But she's basically fighting against Holocaust deniers from uh what's uh tom wilkerson is in here i can't remember the main guy who plays like the villain but uh this was right down the line this is ex exactly what you expected it was well made uh, i was distracted at times but for me it was a six out of ten maybe i didn't get a fair shake but but who knows uh but what did get a fair shake 
was Nine Lives, the Kevin Spacey as a talking cat movie. Um, wow, got Christopher Walken in here as a guy who cursed uh, Kevin Spacey, who plays a dad who owns a business. He's rich, but he doesn't have time for his kids all the time. And I feel like his daughter wishes that he could spend more time with them. And Christopher Walken uh, traps him into the mind of a cat or body of a cat. And he has to figure out a way to get back into his human form, which is laying in a coma in a hospital. And it's silly. And it's really, really bad. But it's bad in a kind of entertaining way, actually. Uh, wasn't the worst movie I watched on the cruise ship. Not by a long shot. But it was a 3 out of 10. <laughs> That's how bad it is. But even worse than that was Mother's Day Starring Jennifer Aniston and a bunch of other people. Uh, this is in the same vein as New Year's Eve and Valentine's Day. The Gary Marshall rom-com with just a bunch of different storylines that kind of come together. This was insultingly bad. I don't know if it gets much worse than Mother's Day. So, I mean, we just passed Mother's Day like a weekend or two ago. Do not, I repeat, do not celebrate by watching this movie. <laughs> it's a 1 out of 10 for me. Jesus. Yeah, it is that bad. Uh, also, rewatch some movies that I've talked about on here. I'll just be quick. I rewatched The BFG, Legend of Tarzan, Light Between Oceans, and Huntsman Winter's War. And my feelings pretty much didn't change. Um, Pretty much what I said before stands. For the most part, all these are mediocre movies. Light Between Oceans is the best of the bunch. If anything, that one might have went up, in my estimation, by a slight amount. But I did watch them. And I, when I got home, I've watched two movies since I got home that I'll be talking about. Oklahoma City, the documentary on Netflix about the Oklahoma City bombing. Uh, it's pretty well made. Pretty good, interesting. I, I remember the Oklahoma City bombing as a kid vaguely. I remember images from the news, and I remember the name Timothy McVeigh as the guy who did it. Do you remember anything about it? Or yeah, I remember it pretty well. Like it, I remember it's the first time I really came home and like watched the news. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's weird. Like I don't really remember a ton of details about it. From when I was a kid, but I do remember exactly where I was. Like, I can picture the image of where I was sitting while watching it on TV. It's weird. But I guess that's, you know, big moments like that will stay in your mind longer. Uh, but, yeah, like I said, it was well made, but I don't know. It was lacking something. Maybe it was just too traditional. I'm not the biggest documentary head. It just was a little bit too straightforward for me. I like to see if you're going to do uh, a story like this because I feel like a documentary like this could be told in a half an hour. And this is like an hour and a half, hour, 45 minutes. It goes into some different directions and just didn't capture my attention as much as the main story. Not as good as that movie Tower I talked about a couple weeks ago, which got creative by doing hand-drawn animation of the events 
Uh, but it's a 7 out of 10. If you're into documentaries, it's, it's probably worth checking out. And lastly, as far as movies, I watched The Great Wall, starring Matt Damon. In his attempt at uh, 47 Ronin, or The Last Samurai. He's the hero, the white savior. He's going to come in and save the day. And Always. It's bad. It's really bad. Um, I was really disappointed. Even the special effects didn't hold up for me. Uh, 47 Ronin is a movie we reviewed on here that we absolutely hated. I feel like that might be one of our worst reviewed. Other than Scary Movie 5. Oops. Scary Movie 5. One of our worst reviewed uh, movies. And this is like the more boring version of 47 Ronin. Ronin. 3 out of 10. I got a couple TV things real quick to get to. Um, started watching The Handmaid's Tale on Hulu which is getting a lot of good reviews. And we talked about the trailer, I think actually the Super Bowl spot that it got uh, a while back. This this is the show about um, a future world, um, not post-apocalyptic, but a dystopic future where, like, uh, the sexism that has been uh, gaining momentum with uh, certain people in uh, the population takes hold, really takes root, and slowly but surely, like, it's almost like they we went back in time, except it's the future. It's, uh, like, the upper class use these handmaids pretty much as slaves and sex slaves as they... Uh, <laughs> the It seems like all the rich people in this world... The women can't have kids for some reason, so the handmaids, they come in, they get used as a body to hold the child that they want, and it's very, very disturbing. Very dark show, but it's really, really well done, and uh, I I would recommend checking out the first episode. Just... If it's too dark for you, then yeah, maybe stop because it's not going to get any lighter. I've seen three episodes, but uh, it's good. It's very good. Nice. I also started American Gods on Stars. I watched the first two episodes of this. This is a weird show based off a Neil Gaiman novel that uh, is very popular with book readers. I had never read it, but it's basically about this guy who gets out of jail. He's in jail. Gets out of jail uh, because I can't remember. It's good behavior, and then his wife dies. So he's at her funeral, finds out that she died while cheating on him with his best friend or something like that or his friend's husband, something something crazy. And then he meets this guy Wednesday, played by Ian McShane, who's actually Odin uh, in human form. <laughs> And they kind of go on this road trip, and he starts meeting these other gods in human form, and it gets crazy. And then there's also these, like, side scenes, or they don't seem to really connect with the main story. Like, the god of sex, who's having sex with uh, this recognizable guy. I can't remember his name, but he was in Mad Men, and he was in a couple movies and shows that you would recognize him from, having sex with him. And he, she's literally, like, 
swallowing him with her vagina. Like, and he doesn't notice until he's gone. And yeah, there's weird stuff like that. <laughs> but uh, it's uh, it's it's got moments, but I'm out after two episodes. It's just there's too much good TV right now. Yeah. And while some of these scenes are like really riveting and in a weird way, like just worth watching just because you don't see stuff like this on TV very much. Like there's this, the very first scene of the show was my favorite. It's this, this army, this small army of people show up on this Island and like, they're trying to get something from the Island, but it's this very mystical thing where (laughs) the Island is fighting back. And for whatever reason, they, think to, in order to grant us access into this island we have to cut out our eyeballs they try that doesn't work we got to fight each other to the death and there's this just graphically brutal fight scene where they're killing each other that doesn't work and then they just leave like i don't know they just leave like nothing's gonna work uh, it's a pretty <laughs> cool scene but overall those moments are too few and far between to keep watching for me and lastly, I've started watching something you recommended me, The Keepers on Netflix. Oh, yeah. This is the documentary series it's based in Baltimore, Maryland. They've had a very dark story. If you thought The Handmaid's Tale was uh, dark, uh, wow, this is intense. Uh, a nun goes missing and is found uh, to be murdered in Baltimore, and it really just does this deep dive into why she was killed, uh, the investigation, just the people that got caught up in looking for the killer and all solving this mystery. And it really goes down a deep, dark, twisted tale that is just like fucked up beyond belief. And yeah. uh, I'm four episodes in. There's seven episodes. I've watched four. And wow, it's a tough watch. It's a really hard watch. And it's just crazy to see, like, w- footage of WJZ news and, like, local s- establishments right pretty close to us, recognizable things. And, man, I mean, I, I want to, like, say some of the crazy things, but I don't want to spoil it because it's good. It's good, but it's really hard to watch. Nice. It's very Spotlight-esque <laughs> in its story. The church... Uh, the church <laughs> I feel like the more we hear about churches I don't know about them yeah. that's just a personal opinion of mine uh, a lot of bad stuff goes down there but I guess a lot of bad stuff goes down everywhere yeah alright but yeah you should definitely check that out when you get a chance yeah definitely alright let's get to some prejudgment before we get out of here prejudgment day we got a backlog of trailers to get through here um the dark tower the first trailer came out for that like three or four weeks ago and uh people weren't too high on it but what did you think you got idris elba matthew mcconaughey kind of like wanted-esque uh stylish way to shoot a gun oh like with the whole uh he's like catching bullets or i don't know what he's doing but He's like spinning it as he's shooting it and all this. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> the gunslinger. I mean, I thought it was cool, I guess. 
or look cool. I didn't think too much else of it. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, it looked a little rough around the edges, but I feel like it go it could go either way. Um, Idris yeah. Elba, I love Idris Elba. I love Matthew McConaughey. It seems like they're both hamming it up a bit, and if it works, it feels like it could be really fun action thriller. But if it yeah. doesn't, it could come across really cheesy and almost like a Jonah Hex type of way, or yeah, or something like that. Uh, I'll split the difference and call it a six and a half out of ten. I get a five and a half. Yeah, that's probably where I should have gone, but I I got a little bit of faith, and you need that faith because don't you have it in the draft? No. You don't? Yes, yes. <laughs> <I'm just> <laughs> I was trying to look. <laughs> uh, next up, we got Blade Runner twenty forty nine. We talked about the teaser trailer. A while back, but this was the actual full-length trailer that we got. And um, what did you think? I thought this trailer was awesome. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> uh, I never realized until I saw someone post it, but when you play both the trailers back-to-back next to each other, they're the same trailer. Really? Yeah. Wow. That's kind of cool. So it's sort of like, I feel like the story is going to be history repeating itself, essentially. With Ryan Gosling as the new Harrison Ford? Yeah. You know I love that. I know. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it looks stylish, looks cool, looks like more good signs that we got from the teaser trailer. Um, my only, my biggest worry is Harrison Ford. Like, yeah. is he going to give it his all? Is he really going to, is he even capable of putting in great performance? That's how I I can't understand why he signed for Indiana Jones like three years from now. Yeah, I know. It's not going to get better. He's going to have a walker. I'd imagine that he's probably not going to be the primary guy anymore or whatever. It's going to be like Liam Neeson in Taken 3. One of the worst freaking uh, (laughs) like stunt doubles. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, man. Yeah, I, I'm encouraged, even though I'm not a big fan of the original. Uh, I love Denny Villeneuve, and I love Ryan Gosling, so I'm in. I'm in for it. Nice. Dunkirk. Oh, wait. I'll give it an 8 out of 10. Yeah, I'll give it an 8.5. I liked it. Dunkirk got another trailer, and this wasn't that much different, I don't feel like, from the teaser. Treaser. Treaser. Um, <laughs> that's what we need to call him from now on. Teaser trailers, the treaser, but treasers <laughs> still looks good to me. Um, I mean, it would have had to have literally been like, I don't know, genocide on film to get me to not see a Christopher Nolan movie. So yeah, <laughs> even then, maybe <laughs> yeah, it could make it interesting. Uh, speaking really off topic, but uh, speaking of genocide. That's always a good uh, start to a sentence, right? Yeah. <laughs> I have so many crickets in my yard <laughs> that every time I cut the grass, <laughs> it feels like I'm committing genocide. So that's just the thought that I had when I was cutting grass yesterday. And I thought I'd share it with you guys. <laughs> nice. Uh, another trailer to 
uh, talking about Kingsman the Golden Circle, sequel to Kingsman the Secret Service from a couple years back. Uh, did I review this with you or Casey? I can't remember. I think we did. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I feel like we thought it was a little overrated, but still pretty good. Yeah, it was fun. I think we both said the sequel could be a lot better, possibly. Like it could be a good franchise, but the yeah. movie was okay. I'm going to stick with that. <laughs> this movie looks like it could be a lot of fun. Yeah, I agree. So, I mean, it's. I just like that. It, I mean, as much as I love training montages, it's going to be cool that this kid is like pretty much up to speed right away. And it just seems like they're not going to be wasting a lot of time here. Yeah, they'll have to do the origin, if you will. Yeah. I'll give it a seven and a half. Uh, yeah, I'm same. All right. Well, uh, uh, real quick, there's a couple other trailers. The Big Sick, which is the romantic comedy uh, produced by Judd Apatow starring Kumail Nanjiani, which... Did, got rave reviews at Sundance Film Festival. Uh, did you watch this one? No. I, I would say don't watch it. Not because it's a bad trailer, but because I think the movie's going to be good. I don't think... You, I feel like they're really trying to sell it to try to make it a hit. They might be giving away a little too much. Go in blind. I feel like it's going to be good. I think... I think nice. uh Hopefully we'll be maybe this will be like one of the first reviews when you get back or well I have no idea when it even comes out so I don't know what I'm talking about but <laughs> but well, I'm sure we'll review it at some point looks good uh, it got another trailer um, went a little um, I hadn't seen the new one I don't think but I feel like I got a pretty good pulse for it yeah news. it's not much really else here I mean not as much buzz for this full trailer. As that first one that got like 15 million YouTube views in like record time or something. Yeah. Uh, this seems like it's coming back down to earth a little bit to where I thought it was. So not really any surprises here. Uh, I watched the Defenders trailer for the Netflix show, which is uh, Iron Fist, Daredevil, Jessica Jones and Luke Cage getting together. Uh, looks like it's going to be fun. More of the same. They kind of got a thing going on over there. Yeah. Looks like they're not going to, you know, make a sharp left or anything. Yeah, they're going to stick with the formula. <laughs> yeah, for sure. And Battle of the Sexes is a movie coming out starring Steve Carell and Emma Stone as the Billie Jean versus, like, Riggs, John Riggs, whatever the hell the male tennis player was. Yeah. Like, he's a chauvinist pig, and she's a feminist, and they have a tennis match to see who's better. Uh, it looks like it's half drama, half comedy. Uh, it looks kind of interesting. looks like it could either be just like a fun September movie that comes and goes and is enjoyable, or it could be like an awards contender. I don't know. It depends. Yeah. Um but I'll give it like a 7 out of 10. Nice. I'll slow my roll on that one. <laughs> All right. Well, that'll about do it for us. Um, sorry it was a little bit short, but it it's late night here <laughs> when we're recording this. And yeah. Yeah. It's late. <laughs> Not on RA Games, but we will be reviewing 
the listener feedback requested Solaris and Mean Girls on the next episode from the March Movie Madness Prediction Contest. Can't wait. <laughs> Woo! And, uh, yeah, we'll be, I'm sure we'll be even more tired on that one, but we'll try to get it together. Yeah. And, as always, you can email the podcast, the Redbox Report, at yahoo.com. Follow us on Twitter at the Redbox Report. I'm on Twitter at the Oriole Report. Yeah, I'm on Twitter at Redbox Reporter. Like us on Facebook, subscribe, rate in the review, and the review of the podcast on iTunes. We'll see you later. To my stomach Every time I think of you But every time I think of you now, all I want to do is be you.